The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We're going to chat with our guy Christian Cox coming up here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts on what's going on with Utes. Good news for Utah as they're playing Washington State. It's an opportunity to get a win in conference where and it matters most. They're going to get a win, and they won't even have to play their best. Okay, so do they, if they play the way they did against San Diego State, do they get the win? When who was playing quarterback? Well, I don't know. I wasn't getting that specific. Well, I think it's a relevant question because the offense didn't move for most of that game. And if the office doesn't move against Washington State, that they're going to lose. I'm not sure that the quarterback is solely responsible for that. So there was sure a stark difference when yeah. Cam Rising got after in. After a couple shots at it. But, yeah, I mean, the production, you can't argue with that too much. But what I'm saying is what if they play the way they did earlier in the game? Well, Do they win if they play the way they did against BYU? Probably. Okay. All right, let's get out of the Smart Rain special guest line. Best of State Award winner Smart Rain is having an end-of-season sale on their irrigation smart controller. Save 50% off each smart controller purchased. Offer available to all commercial property zone listeners. Visit smartrain.net to schedule a demo today. Joining us now, of course, former Ute, former Patriot, our friend Christian Cox. What's up, Christian? Hey, Jake. What's going on, Gordon? We're just uh, we're hanging in there, buddy. How are you? You doing all right? You know, it's been a it's been a wild week. A lot of uh, fast moving news the last twenty four hours. No kidding. So uh, I'm hanging in there. What do you make of it all? Listen, I if, uh, can, uh, I guess where do we even begin? Um, <laughs> Let's start with the quarterback. Let's start with with rising coming in, and eventually Charlie Brewer transferring earlier this week. Yeah, listen. The thing I saw with Rising, and uh, there's a there's a thing in football that can't really be measured, right? That is the 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 actual soul that you can make an impact on your team with energy and breathing confidence into a team. And there's not a more important position to command an offense than a quarterback. Um, and obviously, you know, Cam came in and he still threw some really bad throws to start, but. Over a few drives, you could tell the team was starting to get behind him. And, and really, football is the weirdest sport. Maybe this is applicable for other sports, maybe not like individual position sports like golf and things like that. But you bring passion and energy to a team, it, it kind of electrifies through the team. And that's, that's really what Cam Rising did. Um, as you could see, it, it did jumpstart the team. Uh, you go a full first half with only putting up three points. You're midway through a three-quarter, third quarter, and you're still not getting the results. And I think what didn't help Charlie Brewer is those those poor throws. You saw a duplicative same mistake type throw uh, back-to-back weeks, an interception to a guy who was covered on the on the right side of the field. 
And there was a, a thing I saw with Charlie Brewer that I knew something was in his mind. I, I, I mentioned this last week. It was the fourth and five uh, against BYU. Yeah, you're already losing, but you sailed a throw right over the top of uh, Britton Covey's head. There was a third and five throw, a third and four. The pressure was mounting against San Diego State, and he threw a low, uh, shallow cross to a wide-open Britton Covey where he had to dive to catch it to get a first down. And so, obviously, mentally he was having his challenges, but there was also the part that Charlie Brewer could make all the throws. He could make all the throws if he had time in a pocket. And it, it became so clear that as much as we want Utah to, to be this in-the-pocket throw, make all of the throws, which Charlie Brewer could, and they were very, very high on him, uh, his offensive line didn't help him. And uh, really, the difference of Tyler Huntley and Cam Rising was these guys made a lot of plays on their feet to keep plays alive. And some of those are moving up in the pocket, and sometimes it's widening out the pocket. And that was the difference. That's why you saw a lot of the touchdowns from Cam Rising is he was standing up and moving in the pocket. He wasn't just standing back there and to be attacked and, and to be tackled. As a defender, that's the easiest quarterback you can play against, right? But the difference of a Tom Brady or a, a Drew Brees, who are true pocket guys, Go look at the stats. I think Tom Brady has the fastest delivery of ball out of hand in the league, right? It's two seconds. So you don't even have time to get to him. So I think it's a perfect storm of, of the offensive line didn't help Brewer. Uh, he obviously was getting men- mental and wasn't making routine throws crisp. He, he, his style, he doesn't play with a lot of emotion. He's one of those people who's just kind of down for business, doesn't show a lot of emotion. But sometimes in football, uh, it is that game. Tim Tebow is the prime example of that. Didn't have all the throwing skills, but could command and lead a team. And uh, that's what Cam Rising brought. Uh, You hope he can bring that same attitude uh, at home against uh, Washington State. But on the flip side, um, this makes you wonder, are these fifth-year transfer quarterbacks, we've had two of them now, is is this a bad recipe for success? Yeah, they're coming. One came from South Carolina, SEC country. One came from the Big 12. But, like, is this just a Band-Aid to a real problem in progressing a real quarterback through the system? Uh, and for, for uh, people who are kind of piling on Charlie Brewer, there's part of me that understands why he left. He could still play another, game, another year of football, right? If he transferred now, apparently he can have another year somewhere, and he just wants to play one more year. But that's the risk in these fifth-year transfer people is that you're, you're not getting – it's like a free agent, right? It's a one-year deal that there is no binding to the culture, no binding to the team, and like bringing up someone through the culture and, and through the organization. So uh, I'm, I'm excited for Cam Rising. Um, there are parts that – is he perfect? No. Is there throws he needs to make? Yes. But uh, I loved the passion and the way the team actually responded – but let's not let's not make any quibs or, or look past what what's happened is you've lost two games in preseason. That's as many or more than Kyle had lost in preseason in his entire years in the Pac twelve. And it's pretty tough to, to watch a road loss against San Diego State, especially in the fashion that it happened. So uh Utah's got its uh it's got its road cut out for itself to come back home and, and see who they really, really are. Because the last three games 
uh, you haven't been awesome. And uh, it makes you wonder if if you don't have all the information, you can't do it. But if, if Cam Rising was playing against BYU, do you get that result? And now you have to live with that because you committed to Charlie Brewer, but you also didn't give an offensive line that could handle blitzes and, and couldn't pass protect and give a, a guy time to make throws. So catch 22. So getting back into that a little bit, what do you expect, Christian, out of the Utah offense from this point forward? Does it change with Cam Rising under center? Or does uh, do they do they throw the ball less? Do they get back to basics and try and establish the run? What do you expect to see? I, I see you know, I see a, a similar off again, they had to adapt the offense to Charlie Brewer's strengths, right? He could throw but he wasn't getting time and so the fundamental part about this offense is it is a zone read offense, right? You gotta have a quarterback that can somewhat threaten the edge. He doesn't have to be a proficient runner, that's proven. Cam's not a burner. Uh, neither was Travis Wilson, but you can threaten the edges. Cam's a way better thrower than 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 Travis Wilson. So I think you get a little bit more leg dynamic, which allows receivers to get open in space, especially on uh, you know broken up pass plays. Um, and I think the offensive, I think the, the running game will benefit from it too. If, if uh, instead of just being a, a, a true power run game, you can actually have a quarterback that can that can stretch the defense and be a decoy as well. So, Cam, listen, Brian Johnson in his heyday in 2005 was elite, right? prior to his ACL injuries and his shoulder injuries, he evolved in his game. And uh, Brian was a big-time runner. I think Brian led the country in all-purpose yards. I think it was in 2005 or 2006, or was top three in the country at that point. Um, so I think I think Cam kind of brings that offense, uh, that, that scheme a little bit back. And, you know, I, where, I, where I worry about Cam rising, and I, I, think, I think he's young enough, he's a sophomore, I think he I think he is more than serviceable and if he can complete these deep deep digs and stop short arming balls that are at people's feet, was it the nerves of coming in at halftime, did he settle down? I I hope that you get the version of, of Cam Rising, the the third the late third and all of fourth quarter Cam Rising for four four quarters. Because if Utah doesn't get that it's going to be a long, long, long season. But if you really look at Utah's struggles this year, the defense has been stuck on the field for a long time. The offense hasn't put up a lot of points. And the sample size is very slim of an offensive explosion with an overtime. So you really don't know who you're going to get. And I hope this team becomes the team of 2007 where – I think Utah went on the road, lost. We lost to Air Force first game, I think, in conference. Went down and lost to a guy named Frank the Tank, a running back. Ran all over a really good Utah defense. And from that point on, they reeled off, I think, eight straight wins. Lost to BYU uh, on a a fourth and 17, and then Harvey Younger run-in. But that team regrouped. So you're really going to find out a lot about how good this team is. And you haven't played a conference game. So... You have Oregon at home. USC with Jackson Dart looked pretty different against Washington State uh, with their change. Uh, he's he's might may or may not be healthy. You've got a really good schedule um, to prove how good you really are, and you're going to have to earn it game by game, as cliche as it is. But it's going to start with a big time home win. And Utah, they need to be at home. They need to play a nice home game, and uh, they got a good good opponent at 12:30 on Saturday. 
The offense is taking so many of the headlines. Of course, uh, quarterback transferred, it's going to do that. But uh, Gordon and I were talking earlier, it's not like the defense has been all that terrific. Are you, you concerned about their performances on defense as well? I'm not I'm not as concerned. And I, I guess I look at this from a – it is really hard to play defense when your offense doesn't score points and then you're stuck out there. And it's it's really hard to play ball, right? When you go a full first half and you only put up three points against a Mount West opponent on the road, and um, you're you come out in the second half and you still are the same flat team, I think that was what uh, everyone's biggest surprise was uh, against BYU. At the second half, Utah, you thought they'd turn it on, but they never did. Like they didn't have a spark plug. And, and candidly, you know, time will tell if that was truly Charlie Brewer's fault or problem, right? He, he couldn't win the offense or couldn't be a spark plug, couldn't delete, deliver game-winning, massive, game-changing plays. Well, Cam Rising did in the second half. Charlie Brewer had a – he had basically uh, – Weaver was a Weaver was a wash. He, he, I think his, his numbers were well under what how well he played. But against BYU, he was okay. And against San Diego State, it kept going, and then that's why they. I, I knew when he. I, I said this to a, a family thread. I said he's getting pulled after he threw that pick. I said there's, there's no way they're going to keep him in much longer. And two, two drives later, they yanked him. So, this offense has to be productive, and it's got to give its defense some time to breathe to make game-changing plays. And this defense can't be that defense if the offense isn't isn't actually keeping time of possession, uh, converting on third downs, and allowing them to rest and rotate their guys. So, uh, I th- listen, the, the defense, there is concern, but I want to see a more balanced attack. And uh, give me two more games, and I'll give you a more firm opinion on the defense. Christian, as you observe Kyle Whittingham, is his uh, more controlled demeanor – a good thing, or is it an indication that maybe you know he just uh, is uh, isn't quite into it the way he once was? Is it a sign of perspective and maturity, or is it a sign that maybe uh, he's just sort of drifting away a little bit? No, I I think listen, uh, Kyle's as competitive of a person I've ever I've honestly ever met. I, I, like I think it was uh, I can't remember if it was um, it was Sean Smith challenged him to playing tennis, and I can't remember if they actually went and played. And like Kyle smoked him, and Sean Smith at that point, right? He's a, he was an athletic fellow, but you know how tough tennis really is. You gotta have skill and things like that. But Kyle is very, very, very competitive. I think it's more wisdom and that he actually trusts his coaches. Um, I think in the early years of the Pac-12 and probably in the early years of taking over. Like, think about it. Like, people don't really look at what Kyle's done. Like, we don't really congratulate him on what he's done over a 30-year career at Utah uh, prior to Urban's showing up. And, you know, I think is a is a, a, a defensive genius since the mid-'90s, right, to the present, right? It's 2021. And, and as a head coach, I think uh, he used to run the organization very, very hot. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, in the early days of the, the Mountain West, post-Urban Meyer, you're trying to prove yourself. And the early days of the Pac-12, you know, you, you burnt the midnight oil all the time. And sometimes that's hard to keep coaches and keep everybody happy and keep your players healthy. And 
So he, he's really gone through. If anyone who has the wisdom to, to be justified, he took Utah from the WAC to the Mountain West, to the Mountain West to the Pac-12, made it through the Pac-12 to becoming one of the contenders in the Pac-12. And I think the final you know, badge for the sheriff here is just, can he win the big ones in the Pac-12 championships? And uh, taking a program with lack of depth, but with you know some brand recognition and, and success, that's the the final piece is, is a Rose Bowl victory in a Pac-12 championship, and that is that is not easy. We could go back to our friend PK of tell me when Arizona State's ever done that, right? It is it is not it is not a it is not a simple easy accomplishment, and we can even look at across brands like. Gordon and Jake, you remember when how legit Virginia Tech or Florida State used to be, right? Or even Tennessee in the, the mid-'90s. Like, I remember Peyton Manning. Like, post-Peyton Manning when they won a championship with T. Martin, that was the last time they were even in a national championship conversation. So we got to be cautious but also grateful for the type of program and prestige that's been built in front of our eyes for the last 25 years. Because when you remove it, um, be a pretty sad sight to see a, a half-filled Rice Eccles and a team that's winning three games a year for multiple years that people will be begging for, you know, more of a, a Kyle Witt era. So I think he trusts his coaches, and I think if they get the right offensive pieces and they start scoring a bit more, you'll see bigger plays from the defense. So with all this stuff in mind, Christian, the Pac-12 doesn't look like it's going to be a real great league. So... With the new information, how much do you really adjust in-conference expectations for the Utes? I, I'm, you know, I don't know if any of us would be arguing they're a favorite to win the title, but I mean, you, you know, it's not like everybody else has looked great either outside of Oregon. No, it's a Jekyll and Hyde league, right? The North Division in the first week looked horrible, and then Stanford trounced SC, and SC SC was down fourteen to zero on the road. Makes a change, wins by what thirty-five points with a freshman QB who's injured. Uh, Oregon goes to Ohio State, and uh, is Ohio State really that good? Uh, they didn't look awesome against the team that they played this past weekend, and they're the lowest ranked they've ever been. So really, again, this is very cliche and lame, but it is game by game, right? If they can go in and they can turn their whole season around and have a great season, if they just go do well in, in conference and look at the schedule, like you guys can list off the schedule. I'm just speaking off mind. Right. But yeah, Washington state at home, uh, you're going to play an Arizona state team. You're going to play a USC team. I believe ASU's at home. SC's on the road. Um, you got Stanford this year. I believe it's Stanford. Yep. You got Oregon at home. You got UCLA at home. So you have the, you have some of those tougher games, on our turf, which you need. And I think Utah just needs to get back to basics, play some home games, see some success, and just not get over their skis and realize every game they win is is a joy. And uh, last year, I, I said this to you guys early in the year, but last year was one of my, I think, one of my favorite years. I don't know why, because my expectations were so low. They came out so poorly, and they roared back and with this explosion of Ty Jordan and what they meant, what he meant to the team, was really fun to watch to see them evolve. And I think those expectations flowed into this new year. And as lame as it sounds, every year is a different year. You want it to carry over, uh, but this year has its own challenges. And I'm excited to see 
who responds from this team because it could be one of the best things for them if they allow it to be. Uh, if they dig in and get behind Cam Rising and they start scoring 25 and 30 points a game instead of 7 or 16, you're not going to be very successful in any league if you're only scoring 17 points a game. Christian, is that your is that your go-to reason for optimism? This the way the schedule breaks down. No, I just I just look at outlook, right? Of uh, schedule and and where it fits. Road games, who's ranked? Uh, if you can, if UCLA didn't drop an egg against Fresno, and candidly, Fresno's quarterback has the most yards in the league. Uh, but they come out and have some big home wins, and then say they get a big Oregon. Uh, Say they're ranked top five, Gordon, and, uh, at that time, right? And they come up with a, a big dominant win. That changes the whole season. But it, it's really irrelevant if they can't really start becoming a better team on Saturday. And they're in conference. And the optimism is that it is preseason is preseason. It really is zero to zero to start in conference. But you also got to take into account the prior three games have been pretty disappointing. The last um, 16 minutes, or I guess the last 20 minutes of play, have been pretty fun, but this is a long season, a lot of quarters ahead, and Utah's really got to turn the tide if they're going to be a legit contender or a real team. Christian, it's always a pleasure. Thank you very much for jumping on with us and uh, delivering a little insight. You're very welcome, Jake. Anytime. Gordon's always good to talk to you. Yeah, you thanks, Christian. Thanks, buddy. That's our friend Christian Cox, uh, former Ute, uh, coming on. And I, I think he had some pretty direct-to-the-point statements. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, as usual, Christian's a pretty smart dude, and he, he sees what he sees. And having been out there in those trenches, having performed with the Utes and performed very well, I think he sees what needs to be fixed. And We'll see what happens on Saturday. Really, you could say this is the most important game the Utes will have played so far, which is weird to think. They played an in-state rival, obviously. Yeah, but this is in conference, those weren't. conference. And conference is what they have left. Indeed. That's what they have to play for. I'm, I'm eager to see how it turns out. I mean, will it be different? Well, they'll win this Saturday. And they've got some they of the— They don't. They've got some of their tougher ones at home. Well, if they don't, you're going to you. You're going from they should whack San Diego State to they're going to lose to Washington State. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm not Doc Rivers either. I that's not what I said. I said if they don't win, then that would that would pretty much blow a hole in the bottom of their boat. More next, 97.5 and 1280 the zone.